0: The leopard just sat there, froze, didn't move a muscle looking at us, then suddenly it dropped down on all fours, on its belly, and it crept along the ditch and out of sight. And everyone just looked at each other in disbelief, thinking, wow, was that real what we just saw? You say, well, I've seen this big cat, and some people just flatly refuse. They think that Britain's such a sweet little island, we shouldn't have predators that size.
1: I heard this growl behind me. Nothing like a dog's growl. And just like anything else in life, you're sat on your own there. I don't care who you are, how brave you are. Something like that will put the shivers up your spine.
2: As she was walking before the cub came out, she flicked this tail. She literally flicked it in the air. And I simply could not believe what I was seeing. It was the most extraordinary feeling.
1: It threw its head back, he said, and it made this sort of rant.
2: But when
0: you actually realise that there are big cats living in Britain, it changes everything. Welcome to Big Cat Conversations. We speak directly to people who've encountered one of Britain's big cats. We also discuss the bigger picture. Why are unofficial big cats being seen, and could these cats even be naturalising without us knowing? If you've had a big cat encounter in Britain, and would like to discuss it, email me at rick at bigcatconversations.com You can find other episodes on the website bigcatconversations.com I'm Rick Minter, and thanks for joining me. Hi everyone, we have reached episode 20 of Big Cat Conversations, so thanks for being part of the show so far. We have tweaked the order, so this is not the advertised one from Herefordshire and Shropshire. That one, with a very full on mother and cub report, will follow, and for this episode we're in Angus in Scotland, and we'll be with our guest Craig in a moment. Now, this episode is being scheduled while we're all hunkering down due to coronavirus and it seems we're in for a bumpy ride for a while at least. For myself, I've just cancelled, or postponed I hope, a visit to Oregon and surrounding states in the United States, where I was going to do several different podcast interviews on pumas, mountain lions, with various specialist people there. And those recordings were going to be interspersed in these podcast episodes with our UK reports for a while. Hopefully that will happen in the future and we can learn direct from some American experience on living with pumas. So as we cope with the distraction of the virus, as a community of podcast listeners, I'm sure we all wish each other well over the coming weeks. In news this week on the subject of cats in Britain there is a report of a shot young bobcat that was out around a farm in Suffolk and a vet has treated his shotgun wounds and I think he's now been taken to a sanctuary. Any more news on that and I'll relay it in the future. Okay, let's get back to it now and we're going to hear about a different type of cat than usual on the podcast. We've got a return visit to Scotland. Welcome Craig, thanks very much for coming on the show.
1: Hello, thanks for having me. Great to be here.
0: OK, and Craig, Angus, in my road map, is north of Dundee and almost stretching to the sort of southern fringes of the Cairngorms, is that right?
1: It actually incorporates part of the southern fringes of the Cairngorms. You could think of it as being north of Dundee and south of Aberdeen is roughly where it is, and east of Perth.
0: Now, do you get Scottish wildcats distributed in your area?
1: There are some up in the edges of the Cairngorms, yeah. There's an ongoing study up in the areas of Glendale, actually, and the areas of the Cairngorms of wildcats. So, yeah, there are a few of the beasties still hanging in there.
0: Great. Well, that's good to hear. And I've said recently on the podcast that we will aim to get Scottish wildcats featured in a future episode. It's very important that we do.
1: Yes, indeed it is.
0: Okay, and you're a countryside ranger, or an ex-cut, you were a countryside ranger. and
1: I was a countryside ranger, yeah.
0: So we'll get that perspective, because I think that's important later on as we go through the discussion. But we should start with your encounters. So we normally say big cats, but I think on this one we say sort of medium-large cat, don't we? It's a kind of
1: medium-large cat, yeah, certainly. Not exactly a house cat, it's certainly a big beastie, but not an enormous cat, yeah.
0: Yeah, so take us through what happened.
1: The first encounter I had was, it was actually October the 11th, 2011. It had been a really clear day and it was a brilliant full moon. So I decided to take a wander out into the, the nearby woods where I live and just to see if there was any owls around in the woods that were hooting away. There wasn't actually any owls, but so I followed the path skirts the edge of the woods where you've got farmland on one side and the woodland on the other Wandered right along here and came to the edge of the wood, and it's almost facing east, so it was a brilliant view of the the full moon, and Jupiter was in the sky as well, so I was very excited about that. And just as I was admiring the view, it suddenly became aware that there was a a shadow advancing across the field, Um, the crops had been removed at this point. So there was a shadow advancing, I thought, oh, "It's a fox. It's a fox coming?" So where I was from my perspective, I could actually kind of sneak behind a handy tree, one of the big beaches, and just peer out and watch the fox coming along towards me. As I watched it, it was like, "Hmm, it's actually not a fox. It's actually <laughs> moving a bit oddly. And it got closer and it became apparent that it was actually a cat. Now, I couldn't actually get a good look at the colour because we're talking that it's nighttime here, but it was illuminated from behind by the full moon in the sky. So as it got closer, I mean, to within about 50 metres, it was definitely a cat I was looking at. It was pretty large. It was, certainly wasn't a house cat we we're dealing with here. It was like, My first impression was that this is something that was, body was about a metre long. It looked quite odd because it looked very gangly, really long legs, and um, quite a small head and a, quite a big tail. I just continued to watch it. It didn't see me or didn't smell me or anything until it got to within about 20 metres and then it just froze. And obviously, at that point, it was like you could see it was looking in the direction, probably thinking, I'm coming into the wood here. That's my usual little path. I'm going to follow that. But there's somebody there. Mm. So it was paused for a few seconds and then you could almost feel like humping and tough and it made an arc round about me, keeping about maybe 20 metres distance, and it passed around the back of me, and then jumped over the fence, and went into the wood behind where I was standing. It didn't seem particularly bothered, um, it just was almost like, no, I was coming into that wood, but you're standing there, so I can't, so I'm just going to make a, a little diversion around you. But yeah, it was quite definitely a cat. Having worked as a countryside sort of ranger, and been used to seeing wildlife and things out and about, this was something I had never seen before in the wild, I'm used to having foxes around and the very distinctive like, almost like jogging gait as they came along. But this was like it was slinking, is all I could say. It was slinking around just like a cat. I was really excited because I'd heard loads of you no know, reports from around our area of big cats around and but never ever seen one of these beasts myself. So it was like oh, I've seen one of the big cats at last. Mm. Um and then Proceeded to take back to my home and discover that everybody that I wanted to tell about it was out that night. So I had to wait until <laughs> later on until they came back in. But yeah, <laughs> eventually yeah, it was like, not very exciting. But it was it was quite definitely a cat. I see with the the lighting that the was with the moon, you couldn't see any colour. But all you could see was it looked really dark. You couldn't make out any other markings on it. But I said there was no doubt about it that it was a cat. And it was a big cat, but not Enormous, but it was certainly—I would say—a good 70, 80% bigger than the biggest Tom had ever seen.
0: Yeah, at that size, Craig, I guess it's not quite big enough to scare you if you you were watching it. Is that right?
1: I wasn't scared because it was almost like fascination. It was like, it's a big cat, but it wasn't. It it wasn't as if it's like some monstrous, like, no lion or something that's coming towards you. It was almost like, oh, it was just a. It's a, it's a cat mm. I'll just stay really quiet and watch it and see what it does yeah yeah. it got within let's say about 20 metres away from me before it detected I was there and then uh, so you could almost feel it's disgusted like oh, there's somebody in my path and I'm going to have to take a detour around about here to get past them um, yeah. but yeah it-
0: did you see its tail?
1: The tail I would have said was, it was probably about the length of the body again, actually. So mm-hmm. I, I would I made it, the body was about a metre. The tail was probably about the same, but it was held out behind it. And the usual flicking of the end of the tail you get from cats, I could see mm-hmm. that quite clearly. Mm-hmm. as it's almost like, no, huh, what's going on? The one thing that was quite distinctive is when it stopped, the tail flicking, very cat-like, was like, oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm annoyed now. <laughs> and then it made its diversion across.
0: What about the ears? Did you see the ears?
1: They weren't particularly prominent It looked like a cat head silhouette on a larger cat body. It was quite unusual looking.
0: Okay, Your second encounter, you think, was probably the same creature?
1: It's more than likely the same. The movement was very similar. The next one was about 15 months later, and that took place at 9 o'clock in the morning. I was heading to Dundee, driving just out of the the village where I stay, and maybe about a mile away. The road travels through a small woodland. There's a dry-stained dike on my right-hand side of the car. There was a car coming behind me as well, and I caught, like, oh, there's a fox on the other side of the dry stained dike here. So as it got closer, it was a really, really dark fox. In fact, it's actually almost like a black fox we're looking at here, and it, it wasn't moving like a fox. It was, like, no, pretty much not a fox. The creature got slowed down at that point as this was just about to enter the woodland, and the creature crossed over the road right in front of the car. We're talking maybe five metres away from the car. And it was a cat. It was definitely a cat. It was a really quite an unusual shape, very similar to the one I'd seen in the previous year. A few seconds it took to cross the road before disappearing into the the woodland on the opposite side. body was about a metre long, about the size of a medium-sized Labrador height. Mm. Um, The tail was a metre long as well. But the head was actually really quite small in comparison to the rest of the body. never seen anything like that before. Colouring was very, very dark. There was maybe a hint of some kind of mottledness under the dark colour, but to all intents and purposes, it was a black cat. At that point, I stopped the car and the driver behind got out and he was like, did you see that? And he was like, oh, it's a big cat. It was indeed. I had a wee look in the wood, but it had completely disappeared. And at the time, the ground had been really hard. It was really icy around about there, so there was no marks around where it had been. Mm -hmm. But it completely disappeared into the wood we continued on our way and when I got back because I'd seen a really good full front or side view of it mm. had a look at various cats on days, and the closer I can come to it, it was a jungle cat a jungle cat looked almost exactly the outline was it it had that kind of really kind of gangly leg mm. um, look about it almost like a kind of tabby's head stuck on a large cat's body the only difference was the colouring this one was really really dark yeah. which they tend to be a, a sandyish colour
0: yes indeed yeah Felis Chaus yes uh. And the other driver saw it; had a good view of it as well.
1: He had a good view of it as well. So, yeah, he was like, "Wow!" Whoa, whoa, and he was immediately off and phoned his wife or whoever it was, and was like, oh, i just saw a big cat." As <laughs> I did the same as all this time, there was people in to tell about it, but it was quite striking. Basically, round about where I stay, there is lots of little patches of woodland around. I was using the dike, the, the wall, to get from one patch of woodland to the other, sneak along the side of the road, and then it obviously had to show itself. It Zoom across the road, it managed to show itself to to us. Was it across the road?
0: Had you heard of anybody else seeing an actual jungle cat? I know we're going to talk about some other sightings. We'll hold those for later. But was it a surprise when you found out that there was a jungle cat in the area or what you concluded was most likely a jungle cat? Or did you have other people who described the same cat amongst the other reports?
1: The sightings of the other reports I've had were of a, most of them were just, it's a big cat, it's a big cat, Mm. it's a big cat. They were all quite definite about the size of it, which was something like a kind of medium sized Labrador type size. Mm. But I had never seen anyone that had them um, say, like, yeah, it's definitely a, a jungle cat. Not knowing what the other settings were, it was like a bit of a loss as to what they were. But having seen that, that creature there, it was like, that was definitely a jungle cat. So I'll be a very dark one.
0: I've never seen photos of dark ones, although they do vary a, a fair bit on Google Images and in the textbooks. Mm-hmm. You've actually, if you don't mind, queued me up for. For me, myself, to make a report on the podcast, because I've seen one too, Yes, and if I can have a couple of minutes myself, and that was edge of Gloucester. It's very much the edge of the River Severn, where it snakes round to the side of Gloucester, and it's very marshy, and of course another word for jungle cat another term is swamp cat and that describes Mm -hmm. the sort of preferred habitat I think they're a generalist cat and they can actually survive in many different types of habitat across India and Asia and the Middle East where they are distributed in the wild naturally but this one was perfect for if you were calling it a swamp cat rather than a jungle cat it was this is swampy area around the edge of the River Severn. Frank Tunbridge my mate in Mm -hmm. Gloucester had contacted me to say Rick I've seen this cat and uh, he basically said he was squeaking a ball for his dog, and this cat turned up, which, again, in the gloom, he thought was a large fox initially, but he said it didn't behave like a fox as it watched and heard the squeaky ball. And he said it advanced when he went back, because he obviously retreated a bit seeing this animal that he wasn't sure of. And so it advanced a little bit cautiously. And then he decided it wasn't a threat because it wasn't big enough, and he thought this isn't a fox, but it might be a cat. So he advanced a little bit. And then it retreated. And he said it was very interesting to see an animal that just kept its distance. Whatever he did, it kept its distance. Uh He said, dogs don't do that. Um, Deer don't do that. And he got the feel that it might be a jungle cat when he went home and looked into it. And so a couple of nights later, he and I and my two kids and my other half, Ellie, all went around that area at the same sort of time. This was, I think, dusk at summer. And after a while, in half an hour in that area, we heard a non-native call of an animal. Sounded cat-like, but because it wasn't something that we were familiar with, it was a bit intriguing and a little bit sort of threatening. It was very much a call saying, you know, this is my area. It wasn't that threatening, but my son Owen, who is now grown up and is the podcast producer... He does the editing and everything and uh-huh. does all the techie stuff. He was clinging on to my leg and I could feel his heart pumping wildly. And I was... Whoa, yeah. It really did bug him. And I said, come on, Owen, there's four of us and we don't think it's a very big cat if it is the cat. And he just said, what if it's stalking us? He was truly scared, actually. That really made me think about doing all of this big cat stuff if it was freaking out my kids. Nothing else came of that and we just cautiously walked on and got a bit excited that we thought we'd heard the, this cat... About a week later, Jonathan McGowan, who's into all of this, we've heard about him on one of the podcasts, I think episode nine we've heard from Jonathan, Uh he's very good on the Dorset Heaths and around southern England, I was showing him the area, and within five minutes we saw what we thought was a fox in the gloom, and it stopped and did a poo, and we both thought, hang on, no, 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 that's a cat.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: that's it, that must be it. And then it walked off, and we could see the movement and the poise and the jizz of it all, and it all added up to a jungle cat. And just a week yeah. after Frank had seen it, we'd heard it. And amazingly, I cannot believe that we didn't think about going to pick up the scat, the poo, because, of course, that would be DNA-able and that would have been evidence. So between yeah. Jonathan and I, that is inexcusable. So... <laughs>
1: But there you are. So there you are. There's my... <laughs> I can understand. They like the kind of hit the moment, just like, oh, wow, it's turned up, and then it's like, oh, no.
0: <laughs> yeah. So there we are. And I think your one sounds a bit bigger. Would you equate yours to a large male fox site? I mean, that's what they are sort of in the textbooks.
1: Talking about a kind of large male fox size yeah. Of
0: course, they would be in Britain, because we do have them reported occasionally. I mean, they're very much fourth on the list. I mean, first on the list is a sort of black panther, uh, most of which may well be black leopards, as we say on the podcast. And second on the list is the puma, mountain lion cougar, the sandy brown one. Third on the list is lynx. And yeah. then jungle cat. You do get jungle cat reports, or cats, which would appear from the description to be most like jungle cat. And as you say, they've got quite mm-hmm. an upright, long-legged, gracile, poise and form, haven't they?
1: Initially, it looked as if it was almost standing on stilts, <laughs> the first view I got. It was like a really leggy cat, but yeah, it was quite a distinctive beastie. Yeah,
0: and I guess that um, form of them is good for their boundy, catching rabbits and small mammals, and in water, you know, waterside environments, it all fits the habitat needs that they would have
1: weed wade in the water, yeah, catch catchlings, yeah.
0: Because they were used for breeding with domestic cats to form the Chausie, which was a uh-huh. sort of fashion, the designer cat fashion 20-odd years ago. As far uh-huh. as I can see, it petered out. The more fashionable one now that's in vogue is the savannah cat, which is, of course, part serval, bred with domestic cats. But the Chausie proves that if the jungle cat got out which it seems that it's done pure form or chalsy Mm -hmm. form if it then goes on and interbreeds with feral cats farm feral cats and wild feral cats um, domestic sized cats they're going to create a sort of interesting larger than usual feral cat that's out there that would be a very good rabbit probably not big enough to get a deer or a muntjac just Mm -hmm. strikes me that we do have quite a bob ball mixture of feral cats perhaps that are bigger than the norm the question is then, would any of them have done a sort of mutation jump to giganticism and then uh, big enough to get a deer? I think that's an open question. It's probably doubtful. Mm-hmm. That, in fact, now brings us on to the other big cat reports you had in your professional game as a countryside ranger. So could we hear about what you got reported?
1: The reports date from 2000 to 2004. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was based at um, Forfar Law Country Park in the edge of the town of Forfar. And the first sighting was September 2000, uh, one of the days that I went to work and one of our regular dog walkers was waiting at the, the ranger centre door for me coming in and she was very excited, very excited. And the dean said, I've just seen a big cat, a big black cat on the north shore of the loch. She said, like, walking a dog along, which was actually a black labrador, usually one of the paths. At this point, there was like a, a lot of new woodland had been planted in the area. So if you can imagine a path going through some trees that are about a metre or two metres high in the area. And um, she says, like, well, just walking along. The dog was off its lead and the dog froze and she saw a labrador emerge from the lockside reed beds along the side of the path. She thought it was a Labrador for a moment and then she saw the way it was moving and it just kind of turned and looked at the dog and looked at her and then just slunk off and she got a really good view of it and she's like, it was a big cat. Once again, we're talking about the same size as the, the beastie I saw. So it was like something like a medium-sized or a big fox it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also described it as quite a slinky looking thing. But she was very excited. She wasn't scared at all. She was actually really excited that there was a big mystery animal at the park.
0: She was reporting it for information more than anything.
1: She was reporting. I've just seen this big beastie. No, what could it be? And I was like, no idea. Actually, I've never <laughs> had anything like that at all. Off we went for a wee look, and couldn't see any obvious signs of any droppings or marks or tree scratches around. Mm-hmm. And around, we just kept our eye on the area and uh, see if there was anything kind of lurking around. And we didn't have to, uh, too long to wait until there was a second sighting. that was only about later on the same week, and it was from the other side of the park. The lock itself, Offer Lock, is about a mile long. It's got a path of about two and a half miles, goes around it. And this was at the far end of the lock. It was another dog walker got a really close view of this big black cat that just emerged out of the hedgerow. And once again, very excited at the ranger centre, because a lot of the dog walkers go out in the morning, so they were waiting for me to come in, and it's like, oh, just a big black cat. A similar thing, they thought it was somebody's lab was off the lead, until they saw the creature moving, and it's quite definitely a cat. The description I got from them was like it gave a kind of disgusted look. It was there with the dog, and off this slunk down, and it went into the reed beds and disappeared from sight which is like quite a good thing, as you see. The swamp cat has been hanging about in the reed beds. That was one that was seen the emergence of reed beds. In the case of this one, it went into the reed beds and after that went for another wander down to see and there was an area of flattened reeds in the area where he would seen it going down, possibly used as a sleeping area or just a lie low area. But there was no sign of any spraints or paw marks around mm-hmm. at the time because the area is quite heavily vegetated on the ground so and the next week, we started to find headless rabbits in very odd locations around that area. There's foxes there. There's nobody ever left headless rabbits <laughs> in the middle of the path. So it was like, what oh, the earth is going on here? Possibly the rabbits are being predated by the beastie that's around. And the area, certainly, we've seen is actually really heavy They're inhabited by rabbits. A lot of rabbits living in those areas, so it makes sense for it to be there. Um, so the third sighting of that particular year, this was into the early October now of 2000, It was just out doing a regular patrol of the park and one of the regular dog walkers again and said, you need to speak to old Andy. He's got something to tell you, <laughs> but he'll no tell you because he doesn't think anybody will believe him. And I was like, all right, what is it? He says, look, it's one of the beasties he's seen, but he's no one to tell. Him. So eventually, no, a week later, I encountered old Andy and I was just like, well, I hear that you've got no something to tell me. Um have you seen something? And he was like, Oh no, 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 I've never seen anything like that. I says like, I tell you what, I'll make a description and you can say yes or no. I says, like, you were walking a dog round about here and you saw something that you thought was a black labrador, but it wasn't he. And it was a cat. And he went it was a cat, it was a big cat, it was definitely a big cat, um, really quite excited and animated as well, and he had seen it once again, it was in the, a similar area to the, the other guy had seen it, but yeah, he'd, he was like, no, nobody will believe me, it's a cat, but he was like, no, really quite animated, very excited as well um, that there was a big cat in the area. And that's one thing that struck me about that, those first sightings we had, is all the dog walkers around the park talked to everybody mm-hmm. else, and Everybody was actually really excited that there was a big cat at the country park. It was—I thought, my goodness, there's going to be absolute panic here. That there's a monster roaming the park that's going to eat your dogs. But no, everybody was very excited, almost like going you to know, go extra dogs to see and trying to see this beastie as well. I was very pleased about that. It was quite nice, quite a nice thing to looking out for it. The headless bunnies um, continued for about another week, and then there was no more headless bunnies, and there was no more big cat sightings in two thousand. That was the last we had of mm-hmm. that one. Until a year later, strange enough, September, October 2001, exactly the same run of sightings in exactly the same places as the time before. Um, we had three dog walkers. They were standing talking and cat emerged from the reed beds, almost exactly the same place as the, the first sighting. I'd seen it and gave them a kind of like, you know, disgusted look that I had to make a detour and made a detour around some hedges and then crossed over a field. And all three of the dog walkers looked quite amazing as this beast was. It was not phased. It wasn't frightened. Mm. Very similar to what you were saying yourself. It was a creature that kept its distance, but it wasn't particularly scared. And once again, this was described as a funny-looking, labrador-sized cat, they said. But it was black. This was a black one as Mm -hmm. well. And at this point, the headless bunnies started appearing in the park again. There was dozens of them. The rest of the rabbit wasn't eaten, but the heads were munched. You could see there was like fragments of bone and stuff around. Mm-hmm. And then two weeks later, a second sighting in the similar place to where the old lad had seen it, in the, the rabbit field at the west end of the park. next one occurred in April 2002, and there was like six dog walkers all having a chat, and the cat came out of the bushes and went down to the water's edge had a drink and then slunk alongside into the reed beds, probably taking about two or three minutes to do that as they all stood awestruck at this creature that'd be 50 metres from them. It was completely unfazed by the fact they were there. They looked at them and then off it went again. That was only the one sight we had in April 2002. Once again, for a couple of days, rabbits appeared, missing minus their heads as well. There was no autumn sightings in 2002 and no headless bunnies appeared. But the next one happened in 2003. Now I should point out at this point, I was working with a colleague at the time who was totally sceptical that such creatures existed. He was like, no, absolute nonsense. It's complete rubbish. And he had been relocated to staff one of our other points up in the head of Glen Clover, Glen Doll, the ranger centre up there on the edge of the Cairngorms. The day he was sent up there, I had the report in the morning. It was like half past nine in the morning. This is September 2003. Another dog walker came in, so I'd just seen that big cat again. It was in its usual haunt along the northern part of the loch, emerged from the loch side and then tracked up across into the fields. Four o'clock that same day, a very excited phone call from my colleague who had been up in the, the Angus Glens. He'd been driving back down, at four o'clock, and a big black cat ran in front of his car. As he was coming back down the road, so the distance we're talking here is about probably about 25 miles away um, from Forfar Loch. He got a really good look at it once again. It's a kind of like lanky Labrador and very sized beastie mm-hmm. that disappeared into the gloom. It's a place called Rottle in um, in Glen Clover in Angus. There's some houses nearby, and he was so kind of like shocked by this. That he went to you no know, talk to the owners and said like, "I've just seen a big cat." To which their answer was, yeah, we see it around quite regularly. It's around here quite a lot. So he was like, well, I'm really, I'm converted now. I know they're out there because I've seen it. Mm. Meanwhile, at this point, I had, despite having tracked the, the creatures around the park, hadn't seen the hiding or hair of this thing. Everybody else gets to see it apart from me. <laughs> another one of our staff, our colleague, was based down a nature reserve called Montrose Basin on the coast. It's a big tidal inlet, mud flats, and he was another sceptic. Until he saw what he thought was a Labrador, once again, a black Labrador out in the reserve. He turned his kind of spotting scope on it and got a, a really good view that this wasn't actually a Labrador. It was a cat. Um, so this is like these sightings, one at Farfer Loch, one in Glenclope, about 25 miles away. And another one in Montrose, which was seen twice. They were all seen within probably three days, three days of each mm-hmm. other. So we're talking about a distance here of probably 50 miles. So it's probably not that feasible that it was the same cat that was seen sure. in those, those distances. It's probably, we're probably talking more than one creature.
0: Yeah, and one of them may have been a black leopard, the more conventional standard black panther, black leopard type, rather than the jungle cat.
1: Yeah, my colleague at Montrose Basin described it was a very thick tail the creature had. It was a really thick tail it had. It was really noticeable when it was walking along. Mm. He viewed it through his spot and scope. It was about a quarter of a mile away from He said it was quite definitely a cat. It was quite a chunky creature.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Big labrador size was his description, but it had a really thick tail. It was really quite a chunky looking beastie. He described it as being stompy, actually. It was a stompy creature. kind <laughs> of wandered along. From the distance, it's a bit different because you're looking through the scope rather than seeing it close up within a few metres. But yeah, it was certainly a considerable distance between those three sightings all within a few days. Yeah. It's been spied out at Montrose Basin a few times. The final sightings were uh, for reported sightings we've had it for Loch were in 2004. It was February. This was seen by 15 Dog walkers, I should report this one all at the same time, and it's like one of the most annoying things of my life, really, because I had some volunteers with me that day, and it was like, okay, gang, what way are we going to walk around the loch today? <laughs> and the pick was that way. If we had gone the other way, we would have seen the cat at the same time as they did. But we just met them all coming back. Obviously, we was like, we've just seen a big black cat. <laughs> um, very exciting, it's back. And once again, it was in a similar spot. It had come out of the reedbed area, the Sherby area, crossed the path and up into the field. And they watched it climb up the field and then disappear over the the hill on the other side. And once again, it was quite aware it was being watched, but it wasn't in a hurry to get itself away. And that was once again described as being quite a lanky looking big cat, but it was the black colour as well. And around that time, the headless bunnies started appearing again. They were around for a few days, either side of that sighting as well. And since then, there hadn't been any, since 2004, there haven't been any reports of big cat activity round about the loch. It may still be around because, as I say, we, we planted a lot of trees around the park at that good few years before. So the undergrowth was thickening up considerably. So... Any creature like that could quite easily hide and not be seen in a lot of the areas. So it may still be around, but there has been nobody who has reported it. The general feeling about the users of the country park, they were actually quite disappointed when there were no sightings about There was only one dog walker who was like, oh, I'm really scared for my dog, I'm not, I'm not going to change my path again. But everybody else was actually really excited about this big beastie living in their country park. When it didn't show at its usual times, like September's, October's, he was really disappointed.
0: Very interesting. Did anybody describe the reaction of their dog, if their dog noticed it or saw it?
1: The dogs did notice. Most of the dogs did see them. Um, I say there's a, a mixture of dogs that go around the park. Most of the time, the dogs were just like, kind of, when they're off the lead and they encountered the cat, I mean, the very first one, it was the, the black labyrinth that was off the lead. Mm. And it just stopped and froze and watched. No barking or anything. And the cat emerged out, the undergrowth looked at it and then walked away. And that's been the report from the other ones as well. The dogs never really tried to chase it. They just almost initially interested, but then held back. No barking or really quite, what enough is that I'm looking at? Almost kind of response seems to be that it was reported to us. Mm. Generally, people weren't actually pretty excited that there was an unknown creature living in the neighbourhood. Quite a surprise, actually. I was thinking a mass panic could have broken out, but no, yeah. it wasn't. They were actually really quite interested. They were really, and really intrigued as to what it may be, because at that point we had no idea. It was some, just some sort of cat, but no idea what it was.
0: It does present awkward issues for you as a professional countryside ranger, doesn't it, about how to respond, if you could do anything anyway. But we'll come on to that in a second, because a quick further thought about the behaviour of a jungle cat or a cat like a jungle cat. Were there ground-nesting birds in the area? Because... One thing which occurs to me is that if they're taking rabbits, that's absolutely fine. It's sort of vermin control. But some people, and especially if there are low numbers of things like snipe or woodcock or whatever, um, you know, that is going to be an impact, isn't it, that they do have uh, taking ground-nesting birds. I mean, obviously, we'd like bigger habitats, so there were more ground-nesting birds. But some people are going to be less tolerant of a cat like a jungle cat if it is going to.
1: We do have a lot of ground-nesting birds around the lot The times that the creature was turning up, there weren't any ground nesting around. The only time it would have conceivably been some early nesting was it's the springtime, two thousand and two appearance. The rest of the time was in the autumn time, so with the breeding seasons well past by that point as well. Okay. There was no sightings around spring summer times when the birds would have been on the nests. Yeah. Um. Not to say that the creature wasn't there because at that point, obviously the reed beds are really high and the, the the kind of the undergrowth is really high as well. So I mean, it could quite easily sneak in and sneak back out again. Nobody would see it. The regular counts we were doing of the birds showed no massacres going on. Oh, that's good. There's a stable count, so I think it was in for the rabbits, really. That's what I think it was for.
0: Yes, OK. And of course, lots of people's dogs off leads can disturb and be an impact on ground nesting birds anyway, can't they? So you could argue the numbers
1: of... Have... can indeed, yes. It's one of the things we used to do when it's nesting season, like please keep your dogs on leads or out of this area where the nesting birds were. People were quite happy to do that, actually. It was their park, they took a pride in it as well, so yeah.
0: Great, that's good. The other thing about a cat like a jungle cat is that it's got a smaller territory than the normally reported big cat like a black leopard black panther and a puma so you've got more chance of seeing a jungle cat if it's got a smaller territory because it's more likely to be around more often and because it's not a major alpha predator that needs to have real super stealth in the way it moves and behaves it hasn't quite got that cryptic stealthy nature you know they obviously they are careful and they are difficult to see but they're easier to see than the big the big ones which are so stealthy that they're virtually invisible so you've got more of a chance of seeing them and i think that's why they are more regularly seen i mean that's why i sort of saw and heard one i think as well as frank tunbridge over you know a week and a half on the edge of gloucester it does add up to jungle cat or a cat very similar to a jungle cat that we're all you and i and other people are reporting
1: quite definitely things out there that are not jungle cats yeah because the, the descriptions are it's a
0: bit different yeah Okay, a quick break for our word of the week now, and for this episode we have mesopredator. And that's what a cat like a jungle cat is. So, not an alpha predator, but a medium-ranking predator, predating medium and smaller prey items, such as rabbits, small mammals, birds and even fish. And mesopredators may scavenge if they can, and if they want to take the risk, they will pursue leftover carcass remains of alpha predators. Mesopredators will spread if there is an absence of alpha predators and as an example of this we discussed in our previous episode on lynx and rewilding how the Scottish European wildcat apparently spread in Britain 1500 years back once the Eurasian lynx here became extinct. On the Big Cat Conversations website, on the references and links page, there is an excellent short animation video, complete with a funny song, explaining mesopredators and pointing out how they succeed when alpha predators are in decline, which of course unfortunately happens increasingly in the modern world with alpha predators under stress. Some mesopredators, like some of the cats, are often diurnal, active in daylight as well as at night time, and they may act like this partly to avoid the threat of larger predators. Other examples of mesopredators are foxes, raccoons, skunks and pine martins. Many mesopredators are not strict carnivores, and they may scavenge as well. Finally, in trying to understand the cat or cats being reported in Angus in Scotland, After the recording with Craig, I suddenly wondered whether he considered if the cat he saw could have been a serval, a lightweight lynx-like cat from the southern parts of Africa. Servals do come in a black form because you can get melanistic servals, and we've put a link about those on the website under episode 20. Craig responded saying he had indeed considered black servals, and he was sure that what he had seen was much more like a jungle cat. So there's our word of the week, mesopredator. As a as a professional countryside ranger Craig at the time how did you feel about this and how did you feel about chatting to fellow professional rangers about it was it sort of an awkward topic for you
1: no, it wasn't. I don't find anything that's like no unusual. I mean, it's like everybody's been aware that there has been over the decades actually, there's been big cat sightings across the whole of the UK. So mm. we kind of like we've got it on our doorstep here. Mm. So it's actually quite interesting. So we did actually go out and work with volunteers and we did actually scour the park for looking for paw prints or sprints or anything like that. Never came across anything. So it was very sneaky in that, or else it was actually you no know, in amongst the, the reed beds. A bit. A lot of the rangers, they were fairly open to the idea that, yeah, there probably is something out there. No idea what it is, but were quite interested to find out exactly what it is. And it was only a minority of colleagues that were like, ah, I don't think there's anything like that here. Dude. Why would you not? You would see it. There was a few of the public that were out and about. Um, they were very sceptical. Oh, that's a load of nonsense. Folk would see these things all the time, to which you can point out, well, you walk around the park every day. When was the last time you saw the otters in the park? And they were like, oh, right, aye, right, because they're <laughs> There's certainly a lot more otters around in the UK than there is big cats. Professionally, we were actually quite interested in it and what was actually going on. So it was just a bit of a, a mystery, really. Mm. So,
0: That we <laughs> you were prepared to be open to and prepared to investigate. That's very heartening to hear about because I think...
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like we were, we were really quite... time we had it, we were straight out there to try and get some any evidence or any drop-ins or anything we could find in the areas just when the sightings were. Yeah. When obviously, our rest of our work allowed us to do that, but yeah, it was um, it was it was good.
0: Yeah, so something you embraced because I hail from countryside management policy background in, in my professional life, and certainly when I started getting into embracing big cats, I noticed that in certain circles in professions, if you admitted to an interest or admitted that you'd seen one, you risked affecting your status. Mm-hmm. yeah and i know you know people who are closet uh, have a closet interest and i you know that it remains a closet interest because they're worried about their status if they admit to intrigue and fascination about it and i do understand that i think it's perfectly yeah. it's about your career status in life and it's about your reputation and just human nature and psychology so good on you that as countryside rangers you embraced
1: it yeah the colleagues as soon as they had seen it it was like We've seen it! We've seen it! Um, We're we're not for instant conversion with things out there, so um, they were interested in exploring it as well. But yeah, there was only a few of us who got to see it, eventually.
2: My
0: other sort of link with the countryside ranger profession is that when I was, about a few years ago, probably seven or eight years ago, I was in touch with some people on key committees of the English branch of the, it was called Association of Countryside Rangers then, and I know there's a Scottish parallel body, but yeah, you know, the professional a support body for rangers and they were openly emailing me to discuss potential training and briefing course eventually it didn't happen yep. but it was good that you know there were some of them interested enough to think that that might be useful and i have to say i have i have done that sort of thing for two other countryside organizations who probably don't want to be named so i won't name them but it does happen and i think sometimes it doesn't happen because there's a few skeptics amongst the committee or subcommittee that it's discussed amongst and the people who are interested can't get it past the sceptics and that's the way of the world. So finally, what do you think generally about big cats living in the wild in Britain?
1: There's definitely something out there. And it looks like there's some very distinctive descriptions. So it looks like they match the to, to species. Where they're coming from, I mean, it could be anything. It could be like private zoos. I see they kind of the, the Shousey breeding programme a few years back and other collectors and things like that. Because it's been going on for so long, I think it's probably quite, creatures live a fair number of years, but they don't live that long, they don't live for like 30 odd years and 40 years. 15 or so, yeah. We're probably talking about something that's a possibility, are these things actually breeding out there? Yeah, I suspect they probably are.
0: We have people reporting cubs and describing cubs on the podcast, and we've got some coming up. Very, very plausible, very close range, and very emotional when people see that. Mm -hmm. I mean, the way way they kill a deer, if you look at a deer carcass, I think that's... You you can't do that straight out of captivity. You you know that is a trained no. behaviour. They're eventually going to get the hang of it if they're let out of captivity, yeah. but it's going to take a while, and they're not going to be as efficient as they might be if they've been trained and taught by mum. So, Craig, what's your general attitude as a sort of citizen or as an ex countryside ranger? Do you think it's interesting or potentially problematic or good news for the health of the ecosystem? Or
1: I think it's. I must say, I must say, I think it's good news for the health of the ecosystem. Certainly having worked in the countryside range thing for over 20 odd years and seen the levels of roe deer that we have in the country that are rampant numbers of roe deer that are damaging forests because there is no predator taking them out or we thought there wasn't. So <laughs> there's always been talk over the year of reintroduction of lynx um, to the area as well but we may actually have some beasties in the background that are already doing the work for us so it's acting as the predators. So yeah, the, the fact that these things are, are around, they're, they're actually probably nicely slotted in to the niche that was vacated when the last of the lynx were wiped out hundreds of years ago. Mm. So, yeah, there's probably a a nice little niche for them. There's quite sneaky creatures. As you see, with maybe the exception of the jungle cat, everybody else is like hiding out in the woods and not really wanting to be seen very often. So most people are not going to see them. As I said, my analogy was to the folk that were sceptics. When was the last time you saw like a badger, a otter, a fox? And they're like, oh, I haven't actually seen any of them at all. So it's like, no, well, these cats are probably a degree of magnitude less in their population than that lot are, so your chances of seeing them are even less. So, yeah, Mm. I think they're out there, Mm. but I know they're out there because I've seen them. They've probably just slotted straight into the Lynx niche.
2: Yes.
0: Those who want to reintroduce Lynx, you know, maybe there's room for reintroduce Lynx as well, if that can be done to everybody's satisfaction um, I think you've got to be careful that you, you don't just do it and annoy people I think you've got to do these things very diplomatically and carefully and take everybody with you rather than just demand that your view prevails.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah of course, yeah.
0: yeah. And also, looking at the behaviour and of lifestyle of the jungle cat it's almost like a sort of notch down from the lynx isn't it it's got that upright stance it's they've got slightly tufted ears which i presume is for enhanced hearing if you're trying to get small mammals and rabbits and yeah yeah they almost are like a small version of the lynx with tails you know lynx hardly have a tail
1: well it's like a tailed version yeah yeah
0: did anybody ever see any of them getting prey chasing a rabbit a jungle cat type cat chasing a rabbit or leaping up because they would do that a bit
1: no, it was always on the move. It wasn't actually hunting anything at the time. So, and certainly the two sightings I had, they, it wasn't on the it wasn't on the hunt at that point. Well, it probably was on the hunt, but it wasn't after any prey. I didn't see it yeah. in the action, so to speak. Yeah, but it was um, the creature itself, or the creatures weren't actually particularly scared um, mm. of people. It wasn't as if you quite often you see like even a deer or a, As soon as it gets a whiffy, whew, off it goes. Um, this one was the creatures were quite. They saw everybody that had seen them, with the exception of my colleague that saw it from half a mile away. <laughs> they saw who it was that was seen it and they weren't bothered. They were kind of like had to divert away from their path, but they weren't frightened. Yeah. They were wary or keeping their distance, but they weren't keeping under cover, that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> They weren't really bothered, they were out in the open. Probably a bit annoyed that they were caught out in the open, but yeah, they were.
0: That is interesting, which again is a bit different from something like a black leopard, which, you know, I think uh-huh. slinks off as quickly as possible. Uh-huh. You know, Otherwise it gives you a warning or a warning cough or a hiss or whatever to say, beat it, I've got some business here and you've got no...
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Don't steal my dinner. Yeah,
0: sure. Yeah. Finally, Craig, we ought to just say, because you are on the fringes of Scottish wildcat country, they're incredibly difficult to see because they are genuinely really stealthy, shy cats. But do you meet people who see um, Scottish wildcats at all?
1: I did when I was a ranger. Yeah, my colleagues up in the, the Glens have got trail cameras and things out and about. So the, they have captured quite a few sightings of um, wildcats up in the area there. So, yeah, they are out and about. I've never actually seen one live myself out and about, but um very sneaky creature. But, yeah, they're, they're around. But they're are
0: those pure ones, do you think? Do they think?
1: There's an investigation going on. It's suspected that there might be, but it's still to be confirmed. There's certainly are a kind of a kind of colony or in, in that area. So they're they're being investigated. Exactly what status that is now, I don't
0: know. Oh well, that's heartening. Anyway, It's great that people are on the case and the trail cameras are turning things up. One hears that it's still extremely difficult to camera trap Scottish wildcats unless you've got sort of good information from local people or landowners or whatever that you know you're going to be in the right area to be are around. yeah, yeah mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Well Craig I think we're done and I'm really grateful for you chatting through all those issues and it's been fascinating to hear of your own sighting and the reaction of the, uh, the users of the country park so really grateful for you coming
1: on Craig. Thanks for asking me on yeah that's great yeah.
0: Okay before we sign off a brief mention about our next two episodes and as I've already said we have a guest with reports from Herefordshire and from Shropshire. And that episode will include a photo on the website which our guest took in Herefordshire and we'll also hear about his close-up observation of a cub followed by its mother. Also coming up is a discussion with two guests based in Cornwall and amongst other things they are remarkably good trackers. We'll hear about a panther sighting from one of them, from the China clay country part of Cornwall, and we'll hear about how they bring experience of tracking people from their search and rescue work to their interest in tracking wildlife and looking for signs of big cats. And that particular episode should also be available on YouTube, as we had a camera rolling at the time, even though we were all really flagging because it was immediately after three days out and about in the wilds of Somerset. We'd been helping Matt Everett with some more snippets for his coming documentary on Britain's Big Cat Mystery. So Matt kindly filmed that episode, so we have a YouTube version of it as well. But there'll be a slightly longer version on the audio podcast, so if you listen to it in the normal way, you'll catch the extended version. Finally, a reminder that there are always a few follow-up to look at on the references and links part of the Big Cat Conversations website. And for this episode, you can see the stuffed, preserved jungle cat that was unfortunately victim of a road accident in Haling Island in the southern part of Hampshire in 1988. Okay, we'll be back soon, and meantime, please take care and stay safe, everyone. And email me if you'd like to get in touch, and suggestions are always welcome. Thanks for listening, everyone, and all the best.